Hello everybody and welcome to another podcast of The Room, the podcast brought to you by LFC Transfer Room. I'm Richie, I'll be one of your co-hosts today and I'm joined alongside Chris who is uh, becoming a regular on the podcast. Chris, how are you today? I know, you can't get my face off anywhere mate, unfortunately. Um, it's, it's plastered all over the internet nowadays. Um, but it's, it's a real pleasure because um, I, I'm bringing bridging two brands together, some connection uh, today. Uh, I've been I've been on, appearing, uh, popping my head up on the Anfield agenda streams, um, and we are joined by the co-founder and co-owners uh, Connor and Craig. Uh, for start off with uh, with you, Connor, how are you, mate? You good? Very good, Chris. Thanks for inviting us on. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, loving like your Twitter page and all this is fantastic, and YouTube channel recently has been doing well. So. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, and we've got we've got Lord Craig. Uh, how are you, mate? You might want to caveat the Lord thing a little bit there. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, my man. I'm really good. Delighted to be on. And as you said, yeah, delighted to be uh, merging the two together, doing some content across two great brands. So yeah, really happy. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll, I'll kick off some some questions uh, to start off with. I don't know who to direct this at first, but how did it all start? I thought about this yesterday, Connor, actually, and I think that there's two different stories to this because I know how it came about from my perspective, but I actually, I've never heard your perspective of how all this came about. So I'd be intrigued to hear because I can give you my side of it because I think I've been asked this loads of times. And for me, I did a podcast. Um, it, it does okay podcast, but you need artwork for podcasts and for artwork, you need creativity. Creativity is not something I've been blessed with. So I went on to uh, to Twitter, as you do, and I said, look, is anybody able to give me a hand with some artwork for a podcast? And uh, a couple of people replied. Connor was the second person to reply. First guy, I said, look, yeah, Connor, I have to let this guy have a bash today. He was the first one. And if he flakes, I promise. And I didn't know Connor, by the way, at this point. I promise I'll be back in touch. So first guy flaked. And then I messaged Connor. And Connor, bing, bang, bosh, real quick, got it done, sent across. And that kind of led towards Connor being involved in the podcast from the artwork side. But I always wanted to hear how he ended up in the in the position of of replying to the message because I've never heard this. So go on, Connor. Let us know your side of this. I actually never seen the tweet asking for help. To be honest, I I remember the day actually <laughs> done it. I was I was going through every page that followed me with over ten k followers, and I was DMing him saying like I'm doing a bit of graphic design stuff that way. If you ever need a hand with anything, give me a message. And yeah, ARW was at the time Craig's uh, podcast back then. Only one that replied to me, and it's just gone since then. And what was even crazier then is I didn't didn't have a clue who any lads were. And Craig lives like an hour away from me. Handy, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, ARW. I should probably caveat was Anfield Road Wolves. That was the original name of the podcast. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I didn't even know that personally. That's a, that's a, that's a interesting. Yeah, Richie. Uh, well, there's that's the power of social media, I suppose. But um, I mean, with social media, obviously, <laughs> there's always a gauntlet of toxic paradigms that that associates with uh, social media. And Craig, you're no longer on social media anymore. Um, Connor, I've, I don't have the uh, the pleasure of actually following you as per se you on, on your own. Um, but I just wondered what your I mean, we're built on LFC transferring is built on social media. I just wondered what your perceptions are, really, Craig and Connor, about it's such a difficult thing to break into because it's it seems like you, you are literally there and you are exposed to all of the elements and for every Tom, Dick and Harry to see. Um, I don't know what your experiences have been like, Connor, but I know that, Craig, obviously you're off social media now. 
um, it says I don't exist on this app anymore because it's filled with hate. Is that something that you think you'll go back onto? Is it something that you're actually well clear of the cesspit of Twitter? Well clear, to be honest, it's um, it really affected my mental health, and um, not because I'm really insecure. I th- I have this theory that a lot of us that make content are insecure, and we need that uh, reaffirm or to be reaffirmed of of what we're doing is good. And when you see negative stuff on there. You can, you can get very quickly dragged down into the toxicity of Twitter and thinking that this environment is the real world. And if you're spending your day on Twitter every day, interacting, posting, you go down this rabbit hole. And somebody like me who doesn't go outside much anyway, that's a recipe for disaster for mental health. So for me, I, I teased with going back and forth and leaving it, but I will never, ever return to Twitter. I am so much happier, so much more content without it. And I don't think it's necessary for what we do as such. And I've never been somebody that wants it to be about me. So I I, I want Anfield Agenda to be the star and I want to be a part of the team. So, yeah, I'm happy away from it, to be honest. No, I mean... mean, Sorry, go ahead, Richie. Sorry, I was for you. (laughs) I was was just going to follow it up, really, with... um, Yeah, Connor, I mean, it must be... Obviously, Craig's, you know, touched on how it affected him it must be hard you know as as a friend as well to see somebody go through that do you have to it do you follow that same like experience or, or are you i mean you're quite behind the scenes sort of person and that's probably not a bad idea to be fair when it comes to social media um so yeah how, how is your you know experiences on social media well like everyone says it is extremely toxic i don't really post myself much anymore because basically i don't really want to put myself out there for abuse but like even me behind the scenes, a lot of people don't know who I am, but I've still had people like DM me my address and stuff. Like it is very, very strange behavior. And like seeing the levels of abuse that Craig has received over the year for, from like probably a group of five to 10 lads who constantly tweet every single fucking day. Like they just sit on Twitter tweeting absolute bollocks and have nothing else to live for really. So like I do tend to stay away from it. I, I run our Twitter account and I basically just post and leave it. Don't look at comments. Like, it's just, you get dragged into it too much, so there's no real point dwelling on it. It's just post, get off. I think if I didn't work in this space, I definitely just wouldn't go near it. But it's kind of I essential at the same time. I'm extremely confrontational as well, as a person. Um, I get very defensive very quickly, probably again to do with insecurity. So it just adds to a recipe of disaster. And for me, we, we myself and Connor saved up really hard, and we had a trip over to Orlando a few years ago. Um, so we went over there, and we were meeting some, some Liverpool supporters, and that while we were over there. But an incident happened and it was picked up and ran with on social media and it ruined the entire trip for myself and Connor. It ruined my family back home. My wife was ringing me every night. I was crying to her on the phone in the house we'd rented in Florida. And I just thought, why am I letting people do this? Like, Why are people that I don't know judging me? I couldn't understand why I was being judged with false information. And then you've got this horrible dilemma of, do I confront the false information and correct people? Or is that feeding the trolls? It's very difficult. And I don't think people people realize the impact it can have. And I would consider myself no shrinking violet. Like I'm I'm well able to take abuse, but I like to be able to confront people and I can't do that on social media really because the old adage is right, don't feed the trolls. But for me, that's very difficult when I'm I've uh, an itchy trigger finger. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's just human reaction, isn't it? You know, when somebody says something, you want to justify yourself and almost vindicate yourself out of a situation where, you know, actually this this is the true story. But, you know, sometimes it, it can't be done. Um, 
and and do you think I don't know I suppose you know a story that is made up is embellished a lot more than the truth as well and that's something that we have to deal with I, I guess too but I'll give you an example I mean, Richie if I can I yeah sure I spoke about my son being diagnosed with autism and uh, coincidentally, at the same time, I ended up being diagnosed with Asperger's. I spoke about it maybe once or twice. And I think maybe on one occasion I tried to say to people, look, sometimes I misread information if it's written. If I do and I responded to you in an aggressive way, I apologize. And then what ends up being said is that I use autism as an excuse for my actions. And I've never once done that. I've never, ever once done that. So, again, I'm somebody that that is very giving of, of my information. Like, I like to share with people. I like to be honest and as open and transparent as possible. And when it gets turned against you in a negative way, it's it's difficult. It is because you're, you're, I won't say your faith in humanity is waning, but you're thinking, how can people be this toxic and horrible Like when they don't even know you? It is difficult. It really is. And I, I see it happening day in and day out to younger people especially, and I wonder you know, what it must be like for them to feel alone and isolated and get this hate. So I really do sympathise with people. I think that the social media companies could do a lot more. Mm. Such, a, such a deep dive into a hole that, that you know, it, the Twitter is. I mean, I, I think something to pick up on what Connor said earlier, I think it's universally accepted that if everyone didn't have to be on Twitter, they wouldn't be because of all these people. Um, but yeah, just moving on slightly from that. Um, a lot of things that are put at you, Craig, are that you may not want Liverpool Football Club to win a game because of uh, because because of because of the, the hits you get. I mean, you do the most viewed video on your channel is reacting to the Aston Villa goals um, at the seven two, uh, which were very very funny uh, looking back on it. Um, but but what do you say when people level that sort of accusation against you? Yeah, it's it's one of a number that gets thrown at not just myself, but any content creator and especially those in around the football world. Liverpool's result dictates my mood for the week. So I will take Liverpool winning every single day of the week over lower views. There's no question in my mind. It is a true fact. And I don't what other content creators can maybe try and spoof this, but it is factually correct that the worse your team is doing the better your channel does. That That's a fact. I'm not going to sit here and try and say otherwise. But I don't want to have lived through another season like last season ever again. I don't want to see that happen to Liverpool ever again. I want the Barcelona moments. I want the, the happy moments. I want to share that with people. That's why I do this, because that's my lifeline to the outside world. And I like to share these moments. But yeah, it's true. It is true. Your channel does better the worse your team is doing. But you get into it because you love the team. So you, you want a team to win always. 100%. I'll level it to, to you as well, Connor. Obviously, you, you guys are 50-50 on this, you know. There must be some time, like when you saw that Aston Villa video go viral, it must have made you smile, though, just a little bit. A little bit in the sense that, like you said, it is, the reactions themselves were very funny and it is a funny video. But like it is just a horrible feeling to know for a fact that the worst teams do, the better it does. Like it's, it's the AFTV effect, really, isn't it? Like this whole culture of ranting and raving about teams losing, because it has a wider appeal. Then, because if we're winning, no one wants to watch a Liverpool fan celebrating a win other than Liverpool fans themselves. If we lose, you suddenly have every other team in the world want to watch. So it is like, like, like Craig said, it is a fact that they do better, but it is a very sad fact in this industry that 
that is like we'd, we'd all love to get loads of views on just normal wins and stuff but it doesn't really happen Liverpool 2 Brighton 0 Craig celebrations get 2 mil views that'd be fantastic <laughs> that'd be <laughs> that's, lovely, the, yeah. that's the dream like that's the dream <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, pass it back over to Richie. Yeah, well, it's misery loves company, isn't it? The first thing you do when a, a bad result happens is you go on Twitter and you want to see what everyone else is ranting about because do they feel the same way as you? Was it X, Y, or Z's fault? And uh, it's just the, it, like I say, it's just the, the world that we live in. Um, we are LFC transfer room, which brings me on to my next question for both of you. We have a January transfer window coming up now. I'm going to have to ask that we be realistic here, which is quite a difficult thing to do when we talk about transfers because we're Liverpool fans and we want the best for the team. We want the best for the club. In a January transfer, you know, we saw what I still call two panic buys towards the back end of January, you know, to to the two centre-backs. With for planning and if we are going to bring in a signing for January, Realistically, Connor, I'll go to you first. Who would you like it to be and why? I think what makes most sense is probably a winger since we're losing the two lads to AFCON. Um, I've seen more links today with Rafinha of Leeds. Probably not very likely in January, but he'd be good. I think, I don't know who exactly, but I have this feeling in the back of my head we might see another like Minamino type signing, maybe like someone for five to 10 million that we've never really heard of before. Other than that, maybe Jeremy Doku. He's been linked a good bit. Um, yeah, I think a winger makes more sense, but who that is, I don't know. Someone cheap, probably, because we're cheap skates. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I um, I, I, I said, uh, I write a couple of articles, actually, on Rafinha and Vlahovic in the summer, um, and they're still two people who I'd absolutely love to see uh, join us. But again, like you said, Rafinha's going to cost up to 60, at least, million, because he's had a great start to the season. Um, so yeah, and like you said, FSG don't really like to spend their money unless we're getting something back. So, uh, same question to you, Craig. I don't see us doing any business in January, if I'm being really honest. I, I think we definitely agree with Connor. I think we need an attacking player, and I think we could do a cover in midfield, but I don't think January is the time to do that. I think if we were to look at these players that we did mentioned and linked with, we should have done it in the summer. There was no reason not to do it in the summer. So I think Rafinha does seem like a long-term target. You know, the, the agency works with, we spoke about this before, you know, we've got good relations with that agency because of the Jada Fabinho deals. So that looks possible. I just don't think we do anything. I think we're all set up for the Mohamed Salah contract renewal to be, here's your bit of good news now. Off you go, peasants. That kind of vibe. That's, I take it. I'm not gonna lie. I take it every day of the week. I take it as well. It, you know, it's it's what I'm expecting. Um, but yeah, look, there's no denying we need players, and I, I'm still like most Liverpool fans, scratching my head, wondering how we don't seem to have uh, much money when we seem to be creating a lot of it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Sorry, no, I just got on news that I'm verified on Twitter, by the way. Up the boys. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, moving... I give up. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so so moving on. Um, in terms of how you talk about players and transfers, I mean, I want to link this back to to the transfer stuff. Um, how difficult is it to to criticize a player openly and realize that you might be impacting them, Craig? I couldn't give a shit. I won't lie to you. I'm not lying. I don't care. I'm I'm a fan who idolises these guys, loves them, every single one of them. And if they don't perform, I know they don't need me to tell them that they didn't perform. They're well aware of it. But I think that's our job as fans. That's That's our right. You can't go over the top. I would never and have never 
gone onto social media and posted and added a single player around a game. I would never do that. But as fans, I treat YouTube and the content we make like I'm sitting with my mates in the pub. And I will speak exactly how I would speak to them. So, yeah, if it impacts the player negatively, I, I, I don't really care. I won't lie. I don't care because it's my opinion. And I know I will have 50 other occasions where I will have sung that lad's praises. So it's usually just there. I, I calm down quite quickly, by the way, after after a loss. So in the heat of the moment, in that 90 minutes, I'm a lunatic. But after that, I think I'm quite rational. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you made you made a very good point there. And I know that you would never, like, personally abuse a player. Um, but obviously, criticism is, is not abuse. Um, and, and it's more than more than welcome. Connor, what's your view on it looking in from the outside? It's a really weird one because... There's an Instagram page, that guy's jokes, that always posts like clips of Craig Ranson Raven. And it's mad because Neko Williams follows that page. So he's surely seen at some points. And then I was even talking with James Redmond the other day, and he said he knows some of the youth players. And he said, like, Sadio Mane has seen his iconic clip of him talking about him and stuff. So, like, they definitely do see these things. So it is a weird one. But then, like Craig said, we're fans. We're supposed to talk openly about whether the player's playing good or bad. We shouldn't really care what the players think. And the players shouldn't really care what we have to say anyway. Like, if they're letting that affect them, then they just shouldn't be in it. Like, really, should they? But it is a weird one, yeah. It's a tricky one. I I would caveat it and say I'm always extra cautious when it comes to younger players because I'm I'm aware they could be far more impressionable and certainly far more delicate when it comes to their evolution as a footballer. So I'll always go out of my way in the comments and stuff to make sure that people aren't going in on on a young player because, look, the young player, it'll be ups and downs. It's par for the course. And uh, same with, with Harvey Elliott's example now with an injury. People are saying, when is he back? When is he back? But I, I'd like to think that we have him for the next 10 years. So be patient, take your time, and all will come good. Yeah, definitely. It's um, Again, like with, with the young players, they are quite impressionable. And this is the world that they've grew up in. You know, if you're talking about... James Milner, perhaps, he's not going to log onto Twitter and give two shits about what you've said about him because he's that old generation of he's not grown up with social media. I don't care if someone with an absolutely terrible Twitter handle with a fake avi is is saying that I'm no good at football. But as you said, you know, the Harvey Ellis of the world, the Nico Williams of the world, they are they have grown up on that. And we know that footballers look at them. So I would implore everyone to be quite delicate and and especially with the youngsters, like you said, Craig, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that they will look at it and they will take criticism and it, and it probably will affect them negatively. But, uh, you know, there's no real difference to booing a, a team off the pitch when they've not not performed well as well. You know, we all pay our ticket. I suppose words, though, uh, are a little bit more impactful on, on social media. Um, there right. is another Top- side to it, though, Richie. There's another side yeah. to this argument that we haven't really touched on, and that's players becoming friendly with content creators, thus having this little circle of not criticising said player because they're friends with a particular channel. And this extends into the media. One of my biggest gripes with mainstream media, who do amazing work, like James Pierce, Quiva, all these journalists are fantastic, but every single fan at home is sick to death of hearing the same Stupid questions asked time and time again that is no way probing, in no way testing of the managers because they fear that if you if you go in and you ask Michael Carrick or you ask Jurgen Klopp or you ask Pep Guardiola a really blunt question, you know that there's a good chance that you're 
credentials are going to be revoked for that club or you're going to have severely limited access. So I don't like that cozying up of the relationship. And I think that fan channels have freedom to say what everybody else thinks. And I think that's the, the, the core appeal of what we do as fan channels. I don't think there can be this symbi symbiotic relationship between mainstream media and fan channels. I think they need to be separate entities because I don't want to be cozy enough. I said it from day one on our channel. I don't want any access to Jurgen Klopp. I don't want any access to the players. I'm doing this because I'm a fan and I want to give my honest opinions. So I don't like that either where channels get to a point where they then have these cozying up relationships of themselves with other players who they then won't criticize because hey you might get your signed shirt or you might get your selfie no that's a really really interesting point i never even thought of that really i mean you see it um i mean you got ben foster on youtube now who is who's unbelievable um he'll definitely get criticism from the from the uh people on, He's on taking the media. he is but, taking the i'll piss. tell you what did you see he actually got injured in a youtube event it's amazing i have um, to say if i was sharing a dressing room with him I, I would not be happy not in the slight i love ben foster by the way he's brilliant he's he's a great character he's a very good player and he's a lovely lovely guy but i think he's crossed the line personally with, with what he's been doing while he's still a footballer yeah it, it, it is it's crazy i mean what's your what's your opinions on on, on like other fan channels and i mean where is the line um, Craig, because some people and we've already mentioned criticism, we've already mentioned social media. What is the line that, that fan channels should never cross? I don't think I have the right to say that. I think I can only speak for my own beliefs and what I think we, we, we should do. Um, I think there are different types of content creators. So, as an example, Red Men TV, they make very good high end content that is obviously for an entirely different audience the type of content that we make so for them their goal from day one could have been to have a relationship with the club and to do things show that they can do things in a professional way and i'd never judge anybody else for what they've wanted to do when they started but for me our line has always been if we can't speak freely i don't want to be able to do it i don't want to do it. i'll never be told by a sponsor or by anybody involved with what we do, that I can or can't say anything. I wouldn't go on a show if I was told I couldn't say anything, especially criticism. Yeah, I mean, and Connor, same question to you. Like, I mean, I'm sure you'd say very, very similar question, similar answer to what to what Craig did. But you know, where where is the line for you guys then? So I don't think there really is a line. I suppose it depends on what in what regard you mean, as in like how far you can go with criticism or how far you can go with like maybe challenges are fake and reactions to get views. Yeah. Like people are going to do what they're going to do, I suppose. And like at the end of the day, people criticize channels for doing certain things, but just don't watch them. People give them the attention they want. So I don't think there really is a line in terms of what you can and can't do. Like if, if people go too far, then people should just stop watching. So it should die out. I think for us, like Craig said, we've never really cared about trying to get access or like like Craig said, with sponsors and stuff, we don't really like if they try to be too specific what we can and can't do, we never really work with people that way. So I think yeah, I think it's up to it's like public opinion really. That's kinda of, that kinda of dictates the line really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for us we uh, we we use our Discord group for feedback a lot. and um, we're very community focused in that if something isn't working or people aren't feeling what we're doing, we, we love to have that feedback from from our group, which we, we take very seriously. Yeah, I mean Sorry, Richie, I'll put a butt in, but I've noticed ever since being part of Anfield Agenda that 
the community that you guys have got, the the ease of contact that they have with you guys is a lot more free than we see with a lot of, of channels. Is that something that you always wanted to do, Connor? Yeah, we've always wanted to keep that community feeling. Like since the start of this, where we had four people in the chat, like Craig used to read every single comment on every single stream. Obviously, it's got to the point now where that's undoable. There's too many comments, but I'd say at least 60 or 70% of each live stream is reading comments. And I think that's why people enjoy what we do because we're so interactive. Like it's not really a fan channel if we're just two or three people talking. We have to get opinions of absolutely everybody. So I think people like that. And like you said, we're very accessible. Like we do reply to on Twitter a lot and DMs and Discord and even just like said the chat and stuff. So yeah, like we've always wanted to keep that community feeling. That's always been important. How vital is it to to keep that, especially as the channel's growing at a good rate now, now, Craig? I mean, how how vital is it to to keep that as much as possible? It's the biggest challenge as you as you scale up is to keep that interactive nature of what you do because um, for me, look, I came into YouTube really completely cold. I had no idea what fan channels did. I mean, I'd seen clips of Mark Goldbridge, but other than that, I didn't watch YouTube. I didn't watch football channels. So I came in to do the very first stream on Anfield Agenda. And what came naturally to me was just to interact with people. And then I, I wanted to know where people were watching and I wanted to know their stories. And now there are, and this might sound untrue, but there are at least... Two, three thousand people who we would know a little bit about. And I love that. I love that, you know, I can be speaking to somebody or hearing an opinion from somebody in, in Venezuela or in New Zealand or in Australia. And as a boomer like myself, this wasn't around when I was growing up, you know, the internet is a relatively new thing in the world. And I love being able to have that access to people. And community is the heart of everything that we do because one of the beauties about what we get to do is I think being Irish is a huge help to us because. We cannot get above our station in Ireland. We can't. Our friends, our family, we will be torn to shreds. If we went around <laughs> thinking that we were, you know, God's gift or anything other than normal working class people, we would very quickly be taken down by our own. And I wouldn't want it any other way. So for us, we're just regular fans. Got a little bit lucky. The channel's caught on. Um, but we'll always be the same people. I keep saying to Connor, like if I got to a point where I won the lot or became really wealthy, I'd still be the same hoodie wearing, tracksuit bottom wearing guy, just getting out of a better car. <laughs> You'd still be a prick, though, of course. <laughs> I am, yeah. Well, I'm very blunt. I'll give, I'll give you that one, Mister Crosby. I'm certainly very blunt, but um, that's because I can't stand two, the two. Uh, one, I don't like wasting time with small talk because I think you know they could be doing something more productive. And two, I don't like, uh, I don't like people that smile to your face and stick a knife in your back. I'd rather just say to somebody from the get-go i don't like you or you know it's something straightforward like that and that's been something that's been used against me a lot by the way um but particularly by people who uh who like to um stick the knife in and smile at you i think i don't want to be a two-faced person so if anything i think i've probably gone out of my way to make sure that i'm as accessible as i can be because i, I reply to every email as an example that comes in um everything that happened we want everybody to be happy everybody in our community to be happy and we've we've probably done ourselves out of would i be exaggerating to say 15 20 000 subscribers connor by the amount of people we've blocked because we don't like the the way that they've interacted with our community or we think that they just have bad intentions towards others in our chat and we just don't want that 
It's not even like to say if we try to load our band list, my laptop actually freezes. It is that long. There's that many names <laughs> on it. Like there's literally thousands of people banned from the chat. I can't imagine what other channels have, but we're just like at least ten per stream. If anyone's a dickhead, they're gone straight away. Because keeping that community feel and the good good vibes in the chat, that's important. I think the fact that I'm a parent myself helps as well because I do realize that a lot of our audience are going to be in the younger age bracket and I try to look out for those people if I'm aware that they're they're under the age of 18 as an example to make sure that they're not being intimidated or their views aren't being undermined by others in the chat. Yeah, definitely. Rich. Um, back on to uh, Liverpool Football Club. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, quite a difficult question. And uh, I'll ask that question as well to Chris because I like to drop Chris in it whenever I can as well. You have to pick your all-time five-a-side football team for Liverpool Football Club. Oh, God. God, man. You can't give preparation for this. I know. I didn't, these, these are all off the cuff as well. There's, I promise you, no, uh, yeah, no pre-warning. These lads have got to do it off the cuff. So um, would anyone like to volunteer to go first? If not, I'm going to I'd like to volunteer to go last, please. I think uh, I have mine. I think I have mine done okay, up already, Craig. actually. Craig, Chris, Connor. There we go. Pepe Reina. Trent. Robbo, Gerard, Alonso, Suarez. That'd be a great five-a-side team. There's six of them in there. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pepe Reina. The two full-backs. That's three. You two midfielders on the forward. Oh, yeah, though. sorry. So we'll drop, we'll drop Alonso. We'll just go Gerard and Suarez then. Yeah. Fair. Fair. That's I can't see them... Uh, can't see many goals being conceded in that game. That's for sure. With Gerard, there's the uh, number six as well, perhaps. <laughs> My opinion, uh, who needs a goalkeeper in five a side when you have Virgil van Dijk in goal I think that would be uh, an idea um, VVD Stevie G I think Thiago would be saucy in a five a side oh great show um, yeah Thiago Chabi uh, Alonso and oh, Suarez Definitely, definitely. That'd be my favourite side team. He very quickly threw Alex Huckley Chamberlain under a bus there, didn't he? I know, very I'm quickly forgot about the main man. I was like, Nico Williams, Minamino just missed out, unfortunately. <laughs> I'd probably go Alison Van Dyke, Trent, Gerrard, and ooh, Suarez or Salah. Probably Suarez. I think just oh, the feet, they- you know. The Just for close control in a, in a in a five aside, I think Suarez would be good with a little close control like over Salah. Yeah, true. There is that. Yeah, there is that element. But Salah's lethal. Um, well, in the same vein that Chris went for, who needs a goalkeeper? I'm um, I'm going to go with uh, Allison because he can also play outfield. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he, he'll bang in a few as well. Um, he had a very good goal scoring record last season, so you know <laughs> he knows true. where the net is. <laughs> so I'll go, same, um, amount goals, same amount of goals as Ox last season. So yeah, there you go, there you go. Um, so mine would be Ali and goal, uh, Van Dyke, and then I'm I'm going to go Gunko. I'm going to go Gerard, and I'm going to go with because he was quite good at tracking back Suarez and Salah. I'm going to go Gunko. We, we'll outscore the opposition, and we've also got the wall in Van Dyke and uh, the second wall in Alison Becker. So. That would be my five aside. Um, but obviously, shout outs to players like, I mean, I'd love to see Kenny Dalgleish in a five aside. You know, mm. I, I wish that a, a Kenny in a five aside could work. Ian Rush as well. Like, imagine how many goals he would score in a five aside team. So, honorable shout outs as well to 
to the king. Another one as well, Jan Molby. Back in the day, Jan Molby in a five-a-side team would have been pretty tasty as well. Yeah, true. I mean, I mean, I mean, moving on from that, I mean, and exactly the same vein. In terms of Liverpool moments, while you guys have been a channel, um, what has been the peak for you? Start you, Connor. Oh, hard to know. Like probably that Villa clip was because of how viral it went. It was a scenario. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other than that, the Barcelona four 0 I think it has to be that. Like Craig was actually in tears, and you just see like uh, Craig's wife handing in a box of tissues. It like just comes in the side of the screen at one point. That's just brilliant. Um, we were fairly early on at that stage as well, so like it was a really just crazy moment to have like loads of people in the chat with for that moment as well. And yeah, I'd have to say Barcelona. I mean, that is such an iconic moment. Like, I think if anyone asks, who, what's your favourite game? There's only one or or two of them. There's always a top two. Imagine, though, if there was this content around when Istanbul happened. Just imagine. <laughs> a lot more tears, probably, Richie. A lot more tears, <laughs> definitely. What about you, Craig? What was it? Was it those two the best sort of moments? The 7-2 thing for me never clicked at the time. Connor messaged me after that saying that that clip's gone viral. And I didn't even remember laughing at Manchester United at the start of it. I mean, I didn't remember any of that. So I was in what clip? I didn't know. And then I looked at my phone and was like, oh, okay. Uh, but no, it has to be the Barcelona game. It has to be the Barcelona game or the Origi goal against Everton because that was special as well because Klopp ran onto the pitch. He was hugging Alisson. Everton fans were losing their minds everywhere and Colin Klopp disrespectful. It's one of those, as they say, like injected. It's one of those moments where you're just like, this is what it's all about. This is the passion. But the 4-0, I still to this day, I watch it back and I'm still waiting for the referee to blow up for some problem with the corner. And um, yeah, it was just that. And I was at Istanbul, so I'm lucky enough to have been there in that moment and I would still relive the Barcelona moment again it's it, sharing that with people from around the world and just how incredible it was no Salah Robbo gone off no Firmino and then to have former Liverpool players coming back probably the one of the greatest players that ever graced the pitch of Leo Messi and them all scratching their heads absolutely just wiped and then Robbo and Fabinho giving Messi oh it was brilliant that had everything everything that was that was amazing I'd love to relive that night it was just wonderful, wasn't it? It was just brilliant. Just yeah, keep talking, Craig. Just poetry to my ears, man. <laughs> it was it was beautiful. It was the first really big moment I think we had as a channel as well. It, it was crazy. It was beautiful. And it was one of those days, and I think we've all been here, where you can't get enough Liverpool content. You're watching Redmen. You're watching the Anfield rap. You're watching everybody. You're getting every little bit of content from everywhere because you want to relive it. You want to see the goals again. You want to see how other people feel and react to it. And then you go and find all the Barcelona fans who are doing watch-alongs and all of those things. And you enjoy all of them all over again. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Football's uh, about those moments. Do you know what? I, I really wish that there was that we did something as well about with the Mo Salah goal against Manchester United. Because for me, that was like, because of all of the big moments Liverpool Football Club have had, for me, that's such a massive moment where he just broke away and took off his top at the end. And that was the first time that you heard Anfield sing, we're going to win the league. And actually, that was the first time I believed it as well. So for me, like that moment will live long in the memory as well as the Barcelona uh, game as well. So that one for me is is huge. I think it's quite underrated, really. We think of perhaps last season with Alisson that doesn't get a mention as much because it wasn't for any like title and it wasn't obviously to break the duck of a, of a league win or a, or a Champions League. But there's all little moments. Liverpool Football Club are always 
they like built on these wonderful moments that we experience as fans and it's it, hopefully it doesn't go away anytime soon because I think we're in for a few more this season. We do have to caveat what you said though by saying that we did have that amazing moment, but we also were made to feel like inferior human beings when Mo took his top off and we seen how shredded oh, uh, yeah. the man was. <laughs> <laughs> He's ridiculous, an isn't he? Beast. He is an absolute beast. He uh, He's a, a proper specimen of a man. Um, which I suppose brings me on to my next question, really. You're going to give a lifetime contract to any Liverpool player. Who is it going to be? What age do they get to play? Like, if I give one to Salah, can he just stay at this age forever, or is he going to retire in a couple of years? So, let's say in their prime. So, for instance, if you're going to say, if you're going to say Trent, it would, it might not necessarily be Trent right now because I don't think he's in his prime. I think he's going to only get better. Um, so, yeah, if you could pick any player in the current squad in their prime forever, who would it be? I think it has to be Salah, doesn't it? Just leave him up front for the next like hundred years. Perfect, hundred goals a season. <laughs> I'm going to say Bobby Firmino because I could look at that man's smile for another 10 years easily. He's my favourite player. I love everything about the guy. I love his flamboyance. I love yeah, I love that he makes me angry when he does misplaces a five-yard pass, but then we'll go and score a scissors kick or something crazy a few minutes later. So I'm going to go with Bobby. And Van Dijk's a good show either. That's just the defence to sort yeah, it. Dijk, yeah. I, I think, Richie, what he meant, I'd go for Trent. I think Trent in his prime, you won't get a better right back probably ever. If it, I don't, I don't, I think he will go down as the best right back ever. So you basically, basically guaranteed that, and and that's just pretty mental. Um, I definitely go for him. What a boy! We're so fortunate, aren't we? Though that we have a plethora of people that we could pick here. You know, we we could easily name Isn't another it? five, and we'd all still nod our heads along. Isn't it just like, and, and I think that's uh, bringing on to my next question, really. I mean, we, we, we've talked about Twitter already in a, a cesspool of negativity. How difficult is it to, to not get too low when Liverpool lose one game? Because that is now a rarity, whereas it used to be common practice. You want to go on that one, Connor? <laughs> Either or, if you really. <laughs> I suppose oh, no, uh, do you mean as in I think it's it's probably because we don't lose very often though, isn't it? Like we're so used to winning it, we're almost expecting us to win every week, regardless of who we're playing or the circumstances. So like it does hit even harder. If you're losing every third or fourth game, it doesn't hit quite as hard. So I suppose it's just, it's just like we have to realise how like spoiled we are really, like winning like thirty games a season. Like that's just, that's not normal. That shouldn't be normal, but it has become normal, so it's worse every time we do lose. But um yeah, it's just Try not to lose your head every week, I suppose, isn't it? For me, it's just about the context of the game. It depends how it went. It depends. Like, when we lost to West Ham, I was annoyed, but I also felt like West Ham deserved to win the game. So I felt like they deserved the plaudits for that performance as well. So I tried to make sure that I gave them that credit in the post-match show. But, um, yeah, one loss can be difficult, all right? But I think the context of the game is, is important in the loss. Like I get annoyed if we when we go out of the the League Cup as an example. I, I really want us to win the League Cup, and some other people don't care about it. So it bugs me if we go out of those type of competitions. I think a lot depends on the squad as well, doesn't it? Like the, the years gone by, I, I hope that we did go out of the League Cup. To be fair, you know, years gone by where we did have a paper thin squad. I think now we have every right to compete for every single piece of silverware. If I'm completely honest, now I know that you have. The, the oligarch billions of Manchester City and, and Chelsea and soon to be Newcastle United should they avoid relegation, but hopefully they don't. Um, 
But I think this season we, we can com- compete on all fronts. So I think the context of the season is, is something that we have to think about too. I'd love for us to go to Wembley. I'd love for us to, to win a cup because let's, you know, Champions League and Premier League will always be the priority. But a day out at Wembley, winning the cup is always something special, you know, for the fans to, to remember. Um, and also, you know, I'd love to see Jurgen Klopp add to his honours list as a Liverpool manager because bringing me on to my next question, he's got two years left. And whilst two years is, is quite a long time in football and there's no reason why he won't extend it further, he's already done it once, he could extend it further again. There's a lot of talk recently about the next manager of Liverpool Football Club. Now, we don't know who it could be. There could be a brand new manager in two years that just takes the world by storm. But right now, how does Steven Gerrard look at Aston Villa? I'll go, if you want, Connor. Um, yeah, you go uh, first. I think, look, that's both the dream for Liverpool fans and a potential horrible situation. It's You've got to be so careful what we wish for here because Stephen Gerrard, to us, is 100 times what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was to Manchester United fans. It's like Cantona coming back to manage Manchester United. Like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a, a good, likeable player at the club, but he isn't and will never be held in the same esteem that Stephen Gerrard is. Stephen Gerrard, you come into my house, the first thing you see is a Stephen Gerrard shirt framed on the wall. I love the man. I love that he's doing a great job uh, at Aston Villa so far. I love what he did at Rangers. He did really well there, but... I want Stephen Gerrard to get the job because he deserves the job, not because his name is Stephen Gerrard. And um, any other manager with the CV that he has currently wouldn't get the Liverpool job. So I think Stephen Gerrard has to do something quite remarkable at Aston Villa or take another job after that before I'd, I'd really want him to come into Liverpool as manager. And I don't think, in fairness to Stephen Gerrard, I don't know him, of course, but I don't think he'd take the job unless he felt he could bring something and add something to it. No. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that, and I, I suppose I agree with Craig in the sense that like I really want him to be manager someday. But again, I only want it if he actually deserves it because I couldn't think of anything worse than if he came in in two years' time and got sacked after six months. I think that would just be the most horrible thing in the world. So like he has to prove himself. Maybe get Villa up to maybe the Europa League. I don't know. Is that enough? Really? Like we still don't really know. Like Craig said, if you're looking at the CV of Jurgen Klopp and who to bring in next getting the club to the Europa League isn't exactly the hardest thing in the world. Like, it's not the same as trying to win four competitions every year. Is it? So it's really tricky. But yeah, I don't want like a Lampard or Ali situation where he's given the job just because of who he is. He has to earn it. And there's also mm-hmm. the unspoken thing about following Jurgen Klopp. You know, I'm not trying to compare Jurgen Klopp to Alex Ferguson because what, what Alex Ferguson did in the game was, was truly remarkable. But, you know, whoever comes into Manchester City next after Pep is going to be an incredibly hard job. Whoever comes in after Jurgen Klopp's got to be incredibly hard. So it could suit the situation for there to be an interim manager before Gerard gets the job. Could that be yeah. Pep Linders, do you reckon? Potentially. Potentially the I, I, I would have I would have no issues with Pep Linders taking over. There's a, there's, but, a, there's a lot of uh, it, it's sort of a contrast you saw the effectiveness of the boot room, uh, the way that the continuation. But I think Manchester United are con- com- completely contrasting because the way that Alex Ferguson still eight years after he's left has a stranglehold on the club, I think it is, is sort of toxic. I think I don't know whether you guys would be sort of aware, like more like, I know, a little bit more worried about that. Do you reckon, Craig? 
from from a Liverpool perspective, yeah, from a Liverpool. Oh, I think Jurgen Klopp will be gone way off into the distance. I think whoever comes in after him isn't going to have you know a Carrington. You're looking over your shoulder, seeing there's Alex Ferguson standing in the corner as you're taking training. I think Jurgen Klopp will will be respectful and be you know give the distance to the next manager. And I think the thing that always struck me though about Klopp, and I'll never forget the words, is that he said he'll leave the club in a better place than he arrived, and he will absolutely do that. So. um I'm I, I'm like an ostrich here. I, I don't even want to consider. I don't want to think about 2024, and it is a very long time in football, as you said at the very start here. So I think it's too early to be looking at potential candidates. Although the club will, of course, have to you know look at the managerial landscape. Just sign yeah. the extension. We don't have to talk about this then. <laughs> yes, that, that would be certainly certainly the way forward. Imagine that'd be a good January window. Mo and Mo and the gaffer are both signing extensions. I wonder could they be linked as well. I've often thought about this. I wonder if Mo um, looks at this and goes, "Well, I don't know if your club will be here. If I sign a five-year deal, is he going to be here for for another two years of that, or is he going to be here for the five? So I wonder if they're linked as well. Potentially. I mean, fine. I mean, finally. I mean, we've seen uh, more faces on Anfield agenda now um, that the team is growing. What does what does the future hold? We'll start with you, Connor, uh, for the Anfield agenda channel. Might as well start with him because he's the one that's going to be, you know, <laughs> actually steering it anyway. So I suppose at the moment we're just trying to flesh it out. So like we, the channel for the last couple of years has mainly just been Craig, and that's never the intention. I think now is a good time to bring in more faces because we want it to be about Anfield agenda. We don't want it to be the Craig Holden show as much as Craig would probably love that at the same time. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just about building it out, giving more opinions. We're going to start on Twitch next week. We're doing some extra stuff on there, so we're just. We're trying to get a foothold on every platform. I think that's important as well, just to keep reminding people we're here, just everything. And then going forward, hopefully, maybe get a studio at some point, get people in there. Like, just up the con, up, like we're bringing in the people now, and then we want up to levels of production and stuff that way. So, like, exciting times ahead. And it's, yeah, should be all good, hopefully. It really, really is. I mean, I, I personally been a part of it for a month or two, and it's been, it's been really, really good fun. Um, getting to know everyone, getting to know the community. I mean, Craig, what's the what's the big dream? I'll start off by saying I'm ruthless when it comes to getting rid of people. I I, I want a vibe in the team that we have of not being afraid to speak your mind, but also being aware that if you let one person down, you're letting everybody down. So you don't get into Anfield agenda unless we trust you first and foremost, because what we do trust is absolutely huge at the centre of this. And I think the team we have now is amazing. And I don't want to add to it. You know, maybe we could add a female voice in. That would be brilliant. But I'm so happy with the group we have. The addition of Chris, the addition of James Redmond, Paddy Murphy, obviously Steve Bland, and we Kyle in as well as myself and Connor. It is, it's amazing. And to be able to be in a position where we are potentially able to change these people's lives and our own lives in the, in the midst of it blows my mind because we never came into this with a, a goal to make money or anything like that. It was purely just to have fun and reach out and meet people. But I won't lie to you. I'm at a point now where I am starting to look at that side of it and I am starting to realise there are opportunities to, to change our lives for the better. And uh, I'm not going to be apologetic about it. My goal in the future is to certainly monetize everything a lot better. Um, and streamline things and I want to be able to get James Reb into a position where he can buy his mum a house I want Connor to be able to go and buy his first house with his partner I want to buy my first house and I'm not going to apologize for it because what people don't see is 
the seven years of doing this for free and myself and Connor, I, I, I keep a running total of this. We've invested over 35 grand of our own money into Anfield Agenda and we haven't seen that back yet. And we don't care about that because it's a hobby and any other hobby you spend money on. So for us, it's just about trying to be professional, trying to keep evolving with the times, trying to give people opportunities and trying to remember where we came from and not get ahead of ourselves because I don't know where fan content is going in the future. I have no idea, but I want to be a part of it because I never thought you don't make it as a footballer. You think, well, that's it. But if you, for me to be involved in the sport in this way, it's amazing. It's more than I could have ever dreamed of. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, and I think that's a really nice note to end on as well. Um, I want to extend uh, my thanks and obviously the thanks of LFC Transfer Room and the Room podcast uh, for having you both on. It's been insightful um, as always. But yeah, thank you so much. And I hope Anfield Agenda continues to grow uh, because it sounds like you have quite a vision there. Um, but from all of us, uh, I wish all of you who listened and who stuck with us this far on a, a longer edition, but I think it was well worth the extra time. I want to thank you all. So uh, from now, for always and forever, up the Reds. <laughs>